So about, uh, well, I know exactly 12 years ago, because Theo was conceived, my wife and I were living in Ithaca, New York. Uh, anybody ever lived in Ithaca, New York? All right, good. It's gorgeous and freezing. So Aaron and I coined a term. It's called schadenfrozen. It's taking pleasure in other people's bad weather. So we, I think, had a schadenfrozen summer here in the Palisades, right? God, what a summer. I felt like yesterday. Oh, literally, it was like two days ago. Seriously, 80 degrees. And uh, this summer, the boys and I were having one of those classic Palisades. You know, barbecue, watermelon, mint, lemon, nana, the whole thing. It was really delicious. And then after dinner... There were these, you know, watermelon rinds and all of the kind of bones and all of the remains of the meal. And so, like, I was like this expert waiter after dinner. You know, I had the two arms filled with the plates stacked, you know, how the rinds kind of settle into one another. And I had it all together. And I felt like, you know, I'm the master of my house. I I knew what I was doing. And I walked back to our little alleyway where I'm sure many of you do. There's the blue bin, there's the black bin, and there's the green bin. And I'm like the man with ten hats. Anybody know that children's story? And I'm balancing. And in a moment, I just threw it all away. I just went, just like that. Turned around and I shut the door. And I was like, happy summer. It was so clean. But then that little residue, I felt so dirty. (laughs) So literally, I want to uh, commit before you uh, a sin... A transgression. I know it's not Yom Kippur, but we'll get there. This was an avon. Okay, so there's a chait, which is simply missing the mark. I could have done it, but I didn't. I was almost there, but I tried. That's what we try to like justify ourselves to our sins. This was not that. This was an avon. This was an open sin. I opened the can and I dumped it and I didn't care. That's an open, un- it was an intentional fault. Because I ignored it. So this I rationalized to myself, first of all, and maybe I'm speaking alone, but I don't think so. Come on, who doesn't do that on a barbecue day? Seriously. Just make sure it's okay. I hope the person's okay. So everyone does it. Who really cares because China's sending back our recyclables anyway? (laughs) What does one rind matter in a world of fracking and coal? So blame the Koch brothers. Well, that's another story, brother. Sorry about that. I still wear organic t-shirts, so I'm good. And I have the bumper sticker. So I do the fun run. All right, I'm trying to like, you know, kind of mentally balance it out. Okay, okay. Oy. So, under all of these different... You're good, you're good, you're good. Don't worry. Under all these rationales is something very deep and sad. Which is, it doesn't really matter, but... That's not about it mattering, the recycling of one summer's day. It's that I don't count. I don't think I make a real impact. It doesn't matter. And if it doesn't matter, I don't matter. And if it doesn't count, I don't count. And then I go into one of these like meditation sessions. I'm just one star amongst the galaxy of irrelevance. And that is not the way I want to feel. So, in this one moment, in this instant of just dumping into the black bin, khatati aviti pashati, I have erred, I have sinned, and I did also a transgression. So, if the chait is just an oops, 
And the avon is an open kind of uh, fault that I know what I'm doing and I did it anyway. The pashati, the pesha, is a direct rebellion against God. Now this is a direct rebellion because, as we know, God gave Adam a mandate to take care of the earth. And I said to God, okay, but not today. That was a direct rebellion. And so long as I'm at it, sorry, I know, it's confessional. I don't compost. No way. I tried. I tried it for a week. It was stinky. And, you know, I tried the filter and I had the box. And even it was after, Susan, are you here? Tanner with Clyde. So, you know, we have this Nanetchner also. And God bless our Tikkun Olam committee and group. There's so many of us. Anybody else in the composting group? It's so noble. Thank you. Thank God. God bless you all. They say, no, but this is really, it's not just collecting compost. We have SPY, which is a safe place for youth. This is homeless youth that created a community garden. And we bring our compost. We freeze the compost and we bring 30 pounds of compost to the community garden so they can grow organic vegetables. And then we can all have farm-to-table movement, literally taking our trash and turning it into this treasure. So I was like first, like, oh my God, oh my God, me, 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 this is so cool, I'm so in, I want to do everything. And then one week later, I looked at my freezer, packed with TJs and frozen enchiladas, and then one day, I'm not going to say which son, but a son had like three Ziplocs of like carrots and apples, I'm not really sure, it was like a biology experiment, and I'm like, ah, this is the time to do that, I really, no black and I threw it all away again and then I had to take a bunch of wipes to clean out the backpack that had that strange we won't go there but everything gets clean but I know it's all unclean and in this resignation do you guys remember this that next week how guilty I felt I was like I have to resign from the compost committee I can't do this (laughs) so you know look these are minor, th- they're minor, but they're really significant because I resigned my own agency. I'm your rabbi. I'm responsible. This is ignoring in some ways a divine responsibility. And think about all the miracles of technology and all of the beautiful industry that we have. And then I shirk my own faith that I can figure this out, how to put stuff into a green bin so I could put it in a freezer so we can make a garden. This is the mission of High Holidays, to move from the me to the royal we to connect to a thou. And so, this is a pivot of tshuva in my personal habits and perhaps yours to reach beyond ourselves. And that is really the tshuva the universe demands. These micro shifts in behavior and action that can help us connect to one another and do something bigger. Because it's not just about the paper plates and the prepared stuff. It's about all our consumption. I don't want to just talk about composting. It's about how we prepare meals and all of our meals that are prepared. It's about the fast food and all the food that's so fast. It's about our Uber drivers and it's how we tip them. And it's how we greet a dishwasher or even if we know a dishwasher... You know, Caesar salad is not Italian. It's from a guy who was in the back kitchen who figured out how to make a great salad. Thank God, Caesar. (laughs) But it's also about the total cost of our leisure. Because I think we've been ignorant to all the impact 
and we've been callous to the effects. You guys know the difference between ignorance and indifference? I don't know, and I don't care. For in my neglect, I ignore the social costs to this indifference, that people are suffering to the result of my lack of will. This was a bold move from Pope Francis. He began his papacy with a book called Laudato Si. It was a plea for faith to inspire us to care for the environment. That the state of the earth is not just an environmental crisis, but a social one as well. In his words, Gesundheit, it's always good to quote the Pope on Rosh Hashanah. A true ecological approach is always a social approach. It must integrate questions of justice in debates on the environment so as to hear the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor. Of course, the Pope is referencing Cain and Abel, the world's first children to offer grain and meat to the divine. Abel offers grain, explicitly the best of his produce, definitely certified organic. Cain, eh, you know, he offers some frozen meat. It's not as good, it's not the best, and you know the, we- you know the rest of the story. God doesn't accept this shvachi uh, offering, and then Cain in jealousy kills Abel, and God says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. It's about consumption and offering and death. And so now... As you know, we are being cursed from the ground. The true ah, pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa, is in our heat waves in Europe, hurricanes of the Caribbean, the floods of Bangladesh. Cain was cursed for killing Abel, and we are cursed for international irresponsibility. And so our earth is melting and raging from a death of a thousand blows of indifference. This summer, the lungs of the world were on fire and are on fire in the Congo and the Amazon and now Indonesia. I I can't extend that metaphor. It's like the gallbladder. You read the headlines. and No sharpie can redirect the consequences of this calamity. And we can debate who owns the forest, who's responsible for the care, but we can't ignore the hidden costs because now they're not so hidden of our industrial age. The Congo, as you know, or some may know, the Congo was despoiled by King Leopold of Belgium. Anybody watch Victoria and Albert? Ooh, King Leopold was a nasty character. He was vain, brutal, inhumane, and cane-like in his rape of the land and its people. He didn't care for the resources of the Congo, human nor tree. And neither, frankly, did Europe when it received its cheaper rubber and tires and belts at the cost of hundreds and thousands of lives. And meanwhile, the Amazon still smolders. And we can't disconnect the rapacious policies of the government of Brazil towards the rainforest and the rapacious treatment of humans during this phase of industrial revolution. In Brazil, in the 19th century, in the first half, please, God, may they be safe. Some 700,000 slaves moved from Africa to this hemisphere, and all half of those slaves landed here in America from Brazil to the United States. Afro-Caribbeans were counted and discounted as those very commodities to be brought to markets of industry. And so the Amazon does not belong to any human or any government. It's the resource of the world. And while we're at it, the Amazon is linked to our own Amazon and our own on-demand lifestyle. Look, 
I'm a prime member too. Trust me, I'm sure most all of us are. And I won't deny that I use it at the click of the, bu- uh, the swipe. Don't you want to make it easier just with one swipe? I should just do a little extra step, put it in the cart, but I don't. It's just a straight swipe. So, with each box and puffy bags of, you know, those plastic bags that hold your micro little things in these bigger boxes, so I can get an earbud, a pillowcase, or an exfoliant, we're in com- complicit in the larger degradation of the world. We have a role in this. Have you guys seen the recycling on Mondays? Have you seen how it just open? I mean, we don't even break down the boxes anymore. It's just kind of like the mouth is open with these boxes and boxes and boxes. What a blessing of our wealth and what a curse to the world. And so I can't only point fingers at titans of industry or kick this aluminum can down to the next generation to solve the crises with some brilliant carbon refiltering technology. The only way to begin is with myself, my agency. And that's where I connect with the divine, that I believe I have infinite value. Each of us has infinite value. And so we crown the divine, and then the divine crowns us. Because God is the holder. God is the seer of externalities beyond all our vision. So when we say there is Hamelech, a coronation of our king, God doesn't need a crown, but God is beyond all. So that I do the most that I can do, and God therefore takes it the rest of the way. And that's the responsibility of humanity, of the earth. And so, I know we say from dust to dust, and we think about that as our own existential lives. But it is to recognize we are organic too. So when I hold myself accountable, and I see you as a partner in this relationship, that work becomes God's work. To make the invisible visible. To recognize the hidden costs of our luxury, and to link that causal chain from a straw to the cane, to the labor from whence it came. Now, politics can help us realize this value. The Green New Deal, or deals, because there are several, promising these various technologies and incentives to spend our way out of crisis, it provides a vision, but I believe it masks the real challenge of our personal behaviors. For when we forget who built our modern world and who will be responsible for its inheritance, we're no better than Cain. So 5% of personal consumer action, scholars debate if that's negligible. But social scientists say 5% of a popular movement challenging status quo, continuing to protest, can be a significant force to change our politics, to change our leaders, and therefore our world. So the wealth of nations did not hear those cries of Congo and Brazil. We celebrated luxury and denied those costs. We paved paradise, but ignored the paradise loss. So, do we see the true cost of convenience? When the expense ultimately is not just our own humanity, but really humanity. So, when I was a kid in sixth grade, my best friend, I love saying his name, so I'm going to say it. I didn't tell him this, but Dushyantan Shanmugasundaram, he was Hindu. And we'd always, every day after school, we'd play basketball. 
And then I did, okay, so I was a little from me, I was religious, so I prayed Mincha because he, every day, would do uh, Hindu prayers. And uh, he literally would take a mark and say, Um Navashiva, Um Navashiva, Um Navashiva. And he'd take this mark. And I asked him what the mark was, and he said, it's, it's holy dung. It's literally from a sacred cow. And he put this compost between his eyes to say this is the sacred. And I saw my Zadis tefillin within it. Because it feels like that midrash, you know, Simcha Bunam, you've got two things that you hold in each hand. I am dirt and I am the creator of God. And what goes in between those eyes is I am both of those things. So Anthon got that between his eyes and I never understood it until then, until right now. That it's my duty to live this holy compost at home and away. And so, Rosh Hashanah, this Yom Tru'ah, is the sound of a shofar, is meant to awaken our consciousness. But if you look at the Torah, every time we use shofar, it is some type of freedom that links our spiritual to the environmental, to the social, to ultimately the communal. First, on Shabbat, we don't blow the shofar, but the Yom of Rest is the day of rest for us and all of our labor. And then, every seven years, we have Shemitah, which is the rest of all of our land, linking our rest of our land to the rest of our people. And then, every 49 years, the Yovel and the Jubilee is a divine demanding Sabbath for all social inequities to be uh, flattened. Every 49 years. And so we have this rhythm of Truah, a constant demand to consider what our actions are in consumption, what our actions are in the environment, and ultimately what our social behavior is to one another. And I believe we are this caring community that our Torah demands. God bless Tikkun Olam. God bless our committee. So we can't just buy better swell bottles or the organic pluots, even though they're delicious but we have to find our most intimate interactions with our bodies, our waste, and the relationship to the unseen. The microbes that fuel our biodiversity and all the unseen labor that pays for the cost of our ignorance. So in a sense, that Amazon box is a type of idol because I think it's a promise of packaging that will give us health and deliverance. I know I feel that when I'm empty and I'm like, oh, if I just got that one box. And I'm so excited when I see that box and I rip it and I take it and then there's another box in a box, but I still feel empty. But think about the opposite of that, which is the burning bush. This is inextinguishable. This is an organic thing that is mystical and magical. It's a renewal uh, spirit that's indisposable. And so this truah of alarm, the sound of shofar, to this world on fire, I want to go back to KS composting group. I just actually talked to somebody, they said we have 30 pounds, but I want to push spy to see if we can make more farm, if we can get another layer of this farm-to-table experience. Because Venice is right down the street. It's really part of our own world, to serve not only burgers and, and delicious food to them once a month, but to be in part of this beautiful uh, program we are a blessing. And so I want to conclude, may our memory be a blessing, with Toni Morrison's finish to her book of Bluest Eye. God bless her soul. Just want you to hear these words. So the land of the entire country was hostile to marigolds that year. This soil is bad for certain kinds of flower. 
certain fruit it will not bear. And when the land kills of its own volition, we acquiesce and say the victim had no right to live. We're wrong, of course, but it doesn't matter. It's too late, at least at the edge of my town, among the garbage and the sunflowers in my town. It's much, much, much too late. That's the voice of Claudia. And I think it begs and demands to be corrected because it's Yom Truah. Let's wake up. It does matter. It's not too late. And we can live in gratitude. And we can take the detritus and turn it to compost and turn it to farming and turn it to flowers And we can make a sin confessed into a mitzvah of tomorrow. And so that the edge of our town, amongst the garbage and the recycling and the sunflowers, our time is now. Let's wake up and smell the compost. It's alive. God bless you.